Backgrounds in 5th edition D&D are a small component of every character. They're 90% flavor with a little bit of mechanical features thrown in. If you're reading through the player's handbook, you're probably wondering how they work, or why they're even there. Allow us to explain everything you need to know in today's episode, and we'll even answer some of your frequently asked questions here at the end. Feel free to skip to this timecode if that's what you're here for. A character's race explains what they are, a character's class explains what they do, and a character's background explains how they lived. Fundamentally, your background is just a big helping of flavor that you get to add to your character. Each one gives a general description of your character's life up to that point, how they started and how they got into the adventuring lifestyle. One of the most interesting aspects of backgrounds in 5e is just how loose the actual rules are for them. You have a list of options, yes, but there's a certain rule in the player's handbook that is often missed. I know from experience that most players will prefer to customize their own unique background. Creating your own background is a very simple process, thankfully. You choose four skills and a trait from these sample backgrounds, and you spend 175 gold pieces on gear. If you can't find a trait that matches your desired background, work with your DM to write one. As a rule of thumb, a trait should tie your character to the world in some way. It should provide links to organizations and people that your character has contact with in the days before they became an adventurer. It can also reflect special advantages and opportunities that a member of that background enjoys. Traits never improve your character's class abilities or provide numerical bonuses on checks, saves, and so forth. No other aspect of 5e character building has this much freedom and versatility. This is a raw rule that just allows you to make your own option. You're not compelled to, but in an edition where even feats are technically a house rule, it's amazing that one of the main components of every character is so intrinsically versatile. If your character's background just doesn't fit in any of the preset backgrounds, you have full reign to mix and match. Beyond the flair of having a cool backstory and history, each background provides a few mechanical advantages in a bunch of different combinations. In addition to the mechanics, each background provides you with tables filled with your personality traits, bonds, ideals, and flaws. Some of you may be curious what these things do for you in the mechanical sense, and the answer is nothing. You can completely ignore them if you feel like it, but what they do exceptionally well is help players who aren't used to role-playing, well, role-play. If you haven't gotten further than Steve the Human Fighter as a character concept, backgrounds provide you with an instant injection of flavor and characterization. The Player's Handbook provides us with backgrounds that cover pretty much everything in a somewhat generic way along with some subtle variations. As 5e books progressed, we've gotten more specialized backgrounds unique to certain settings. We have 56 official backgrounds now, but let's just discuss the ones you start with in the Player's Handbook. Here's their raw mechanics laid out as a table. Beyond the simple proficiencies, each background has one or more features and an assortment of gear. The gear you get rarely matters beyond the first level, but the features can have a real impact. Starting with Acolyte and their feature, Shelter of the Faithful. This feature simply allows you to get some extra considerations at temples and shrines to your deity and occasionally get the priests on your side. It's situational at best, but there are some scenarios where getting sanctuary in the local church can come in handy. One of my favorites is the Charlatan and their feature False Identity. This feature is basically a free license to accurately forge documents. If you can't think of some nefarious applications of this, you're not thinking hard enough, or your DM has chosen not to dive into the exciting world of fantasy bureaucracy. 
There's the ever-popular Criminal with their feature Criminal Contact. This feature lets you get the lay of the land in any criminal underworld. I think out of most of the background features, this is the one I see get a lot of practical use. If your campaign takes place primarily in a city or a series of cities, this is the one to have. Moving on to Entertainer with their feature by popular demand. This feature is like the Acolyte feature in that you can usually leverage it into something like free room and board. You can also get somewhat popular and liked in places that you perform. Usually a feature for bards, it's situational at best again, but very flavorful. And if I know you bard players out there, that's where it really counts. Next up is Folk Hero with the feature Rustic Hospitality. This is very similar to both the Acolyte and Entertainer features, but is probably the most useful because it stipulates that people will be willing to hide you from the law. I've definitely had more than one adventure saved by this feature as we hide from the cops in a friendly farmhouse. I guess part of the background includes not caring if you make innocent people accessories to your crime. Then there's Guild Artisan with the feature Guild Membership. Another in the vein of Group X Likes You, Therefore Features, it functions a lot like the Folk Hero feature with a bit more of a legal oomph to it. Your guild won't hide you, but they might pay your bail or for a lawyer. This does come with a minor gold cost each month, but the payoff can be a lifesaver. It can also anchor you to the world a little bit more if you have, you know, union dues to pay every month. Another one of my favorites is Hermit, with the feature Discovery. This feature is more for your DM than it is for you. The discovery feature is essentially an excuse to tie your character to the main plot thread. If you're in a situation where it's difficult to integrate your character into an existing campaign, use this feature as an easy in. And then we have Noble with the feature Position of Privilege. This feature essentially allows you to enjoy some privilege. You can have an in with nobility and it can generally give you an excuse to lord it over people. Use it with caution, as your fellow players are unlikely to tolerate much snooty behavior for very long. Moving on to the opposite end of the spectrum is Outlander, with the feature Wanderer. This feature lets you get a little taste of Ranger as any other class. It only comes up in the rare survival-style adventures, but when it does come up, you will be glad you have it. And then there's Sage, with the feature Researcher. This is the obligatory wizard feature, if I'm being honest. It's another feature that comes up the most often, and you can generally use it to figure out plot-relevant information whenever you're stuck. The background of Sailor comes with the feature Ship's Passage. It's very situational, like a lot of things on this list, and is often ignored down the line, but in early levels, getting a free naval passage can be really helpful. And if you're doing a nautical sort of adventure, it can be extremely helpful. A bit more serious in tone is the background of Soldier, with the feature Military Rank. Again, another very situational feature that really depends on the adventure. You gain the rank and military know-how to access military installations, sort of. Generally, you'll be linked to a single military, meaning the feature doesn't really do anything beyond your nation's borders. And lastly, we have Urchin, with the feature City Secrets. This is a very fun one, but again, situational. You get to move at double speed out of combat while in cities. It doesn't really come up that often, but in city chase sequences, this feature can help you either catch escaping thieves or escape from the law, Miguel and Tulio style. There are functionally infinite options given that you can mix and match the 60 or so official backgrounds and hundreds of unofficial ones. I can't really tell you what background you should pick necessarily because so little of their use is mechanical in the first place. 
Go and pick whatever background feels like it best represents your character, and feel free to remix them if you can't find the one that feels exactly right for you, because eventually, trust me, you will. Now let's get into some frequently asked questions I get as a DM about this whole topic. Starting with, how do backgrounds work in 5e? Essentially, your background is meant to represent your character's life before they became an adventurer. All characters must select a background when the character is first created. Each background gives an assortment of skill and tool proficiencies, alongside some extra starting equipment at first level. They'll also usually have one or two special features that grant your character some special role-playing opportunities, like the knowledge of local black markets or free passage on ships due to your previous life as a sailor. Most backgrounds will also provide tables for your bonds, flaws, and ideals. But these are optional suggestions, and you aren't required to use them by any means. So how do I make a D&D backstory? <laughs> well, writing is hard, there's no doubt about that. So when confronted with the intimidating blank page of your character's backstory, it's natural to have some trouble. But with a few steps, you can turn that blank page into something deep and interesting without a whole lot of work. Start by gauging your time. If you're making a character for a one-shot or something really short, you don't really need much backstory simply because there isn't much time for it to really come up. For really short adventures, just a simple trope like they're from X country avenging uh, their destroyed village, that's usually enough. Second is to write two to three core events. Nothing's worse than I'm a fighter, my backstory is I love fighting. That's not to say your character can't be your character just loves fighting, but how did they get that way? Were they inspired to be some great hero? Was there a parent that was a martial arts master or something like that? Just have a little bit of fun with it. You don't need to fill in all the blanks. The bad guy who burned your town can remain some bad guy somewhere. It's better to be a bit vague and paint in broad strokes so that you can work with your DM later to fill in those blanks or come up with better ideas during heated moments of improv. But for now, try to come up with two to three core events in your character's life that loosely define who they are. And then all you have to do after that is tie it all together. You have your backstory's events written up, now you should just work with your DM to tie them into the adventure. Any places, people, and things you left vague can now be combined with your DM's planned story. That vague villain from earlier who burned down your village can now have a name, or perhaps know the antagonist by name. The places, people, and things from your backstory can be allowed to grow naturally into the plot as you progress through the campaign. As a filmmaker and writer myself, I must make clear that this is an exceptionally simplistic model for writing your character's backstory, but it's also more than enough. And you know why that is? Because D&D isn't a movie or a script or anything like that. It's an ever-evolving collaborative story. So don't ever treat it exactly like you're writing for, well, the silver screen. How do I make a D&D character? That's sort of a big question, but I find that there are two general schools of thought on this matter. Mechanic-centered character building and lore-centered character building. Neither approach is better or worse, per se, they just have different priorities. Mechanic-centered character building is the approach that starts with the mechanical aspects of your character, then figures out their personality and history later. If you have an idea for a fun combat strategy or an aspect of gameplay that you'd like to focus on, 5e is a simple and flexible system and most strategies are possible in one way or another. Consider multi-classing to maximize your strategy or looking around online for interesting combinations and successful builds. 
once you have your mechanical choices made, background class, race, ability scores, equipment, etc., you can finally figure out what makes your character tick. For characters that multi-class, the journey between those disciplines can be fascinating and ripe ground for an interesting character arc. How exactly did your paladin warlock character get to where they are now? Were they fooled by some eldritch power and then found the light? Has your character's relation to some otherworldly patron shifted from a pact towards a true oath of devotion? It's okay to let your character's mechanics inform their story. Just spend some time exploring how they got from point A to point B every now and again. And then we have lore-centered character building. This takes the exact opposite approach and starts with the personality and history of your character and figures out the mechanical aspects of your character later, and is basically how I build 99% of my characters in all RPGs. Start with an idea for your character trope or a personality that you want to roleplay with and then build them from there. Once you know what kind of character you want to play as, or roleplay as really in this sense, you can figure out the mechanical options that best represent the character in your head. 5e is very flexible, as I said, and there's very little that you can come up with that can't be described by some combination of options. Simply select the options that I mentioned earlier that you think best suit your idea. And unlike many other systems, it's pretty hard to have a non-functional character in D&D 5e. You can try pretty hard to build something like a dumb wizard or a barbarian with no strength, something like that. You can try your best to break the game, and practically any combination will still yield a playable character for you to roleplay your heart out with. The beauty of D&D to me is that you can play this game with a full table of people who are mechanic-centered, lore-centered, or any mix of the two, and you will still have a great time. Point being, don't concern yourself too much with what school of thought you choose to build your character with. It will pretty much always work. As you can see, this simple topic is rather deceptive because I think it warrants an in-depth discussion, as most things do in D&D that involve both flavor and gameplay. To me, role-playing is just glorified improv without a motivation for who you're role-playing as. So if what you're looking for in D&D is having fun character moments, a story that develops and thickens with every session, and an emotional ballast to your adventures, character backgrounds are where all of that begins. You can also have a completely fun time in D&D without ever doing any of that, though. So it's D&D. Do whatever you want. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new content like this every week. And if you guys have a cool background that you're proud of, I would love to read about it down in the comments. You guys come up with so many cool characters that I'm thrilled to read about just about every week on this show. Thanks again for watching. I really appreciate it. My name is Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice. And until next time, farewell. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss out. Thank you.